We're going to have an extra reading this morning. It's not in your service sheet. But please turn with me to John chapter 10. We're going to read verses 11 to 18. Jesus is speaking. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd who owns the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep, and my sheep know me, just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that are not of this sheep pen. I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice, and there shall be one flock and one shepherd. The reason my Father loves me is that I lay down my life, only to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again. This command I received from my Father. The second reading is from Ecclesiastes, chapter 11, verse 7 to chapter 12, verse 14, and that can be found on page 676 of the Church Bibles. Light is sweet, and it pleases the eyes to see the sun. However many years a man may live, let him enjoy them all, but let him remember the days of darkness, for they will be many. Everything to come is meaningless. Be happy, young man, while you are young, and let your heart give you the joy in the give you joy in the days of your youth. Follow the ways of your heart and whatever your eyes see, but know that for all these things, God will bring you to judgment. So then, banish anxiety from your heart and cast off the troubles of your body, for youth and vigor are meaningless. Remember your creator in the days of your youth, before the days of trouble come, and the years approach when you will say, I find no pleasure in them. Before the sun and the light and the moon and the stars grow dark and the clouds return after the rain, when the keepers of the house tremble and the strong men stoop, when the grinders cease because they are few and those looking through the windows grow dim, when the doors to the street are closed and the sound of grinding fades, when men rise up at the sound of birds but all their songs grow faint, when men are afraid of heights and of dangers in the streets, when the almond tree blossoms and the grasshopper drags himself along and desire no longer is stirred. Then man goes to his eternal home and mourners go about the streets. Remember him before the silver cord is severed or the golden bowl is broken, before the pitcher is shattered at the spring or the wheel broken at the well. And the dust returns to the ground it came from, and the spirit returns to God who gave it. Meaningless, meaningless, says the teacher. Everything is meaningless. Not only was the teacher wise, but also he imparted knowledge to the people. 
he pondered and searched out and set in order many proverbs. The teacher searched to find just the right words, and what he wrote was upright and true. The words of the wise are like goads. They collected sayings like firmly embedded nails given by one shepherd. Be warned, my son, of anything in addition to them. Of making many books there is no end, and much study wearies the body. Now all has been heard. Here is the conclusion of the matter. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. For God will bring every deed into judgment, including every hidden thing, whether it is good or evil. This is God's word. Please do take a seat, and uh, great if you could turn back, if you've let it fall to Ecclesiastes uh, chapter 11, and uh, one or two will have arrived since the beginning. Uh, let me welcome uh, Connor Smith. Well done, Connor, for making it for your first Sunday, uh, well, probably well done, mum and dad, Daniel and Sonia, uh, the first time of getting together, all, on, all of you together at one place for a certain time is always very stressful. Well done. Well done indeed, great to have you with us. And, uh, well, Connor, and um, indeed Theo, what a great sermon to come to on your baptism day, all about death. So that's, uh, that's timed beautifully, isn't it? This then is our last look at the book of Ecclesiastes, uh, the quest of the teacher to find meaning in life. And I came across this week a quote which I thought was a brilliant summary, really, of uh, the book of Ecclesiastes from uh, Bono, uh, the singer. He uh, describes it this way. Ecclesiastes is one of my favorite books, he says. It's a book about a character who wants to find out why he's alive, why he was created. He tries knowledge. He tries wealth. He tries experience. He tries everything. You hurry to the end of the book to find out why, and it says, remember your creator. In a way, it's such a letdown. And yet it isn't. I think he summarizes it brilliantly. And... uh, I'm sure he will reciprocate and be quoting me in some of his songs in the near future. Uh, but that's a, that's a good summary. Okay, what, what's the, you know, let's try to pursue lots of different things for meaning in life, in the list he gives us there. No, what is the meaning of life? Remember your creator. Oh, is that it? Yes. Oh. Oh, no, actually, that transforms everything. That transforms absolutely everything. It is essential and will give us an underpinning for life. Uh, and everything we do. If you remember, really, the, the chapters 1 to 6, he pursues one argument, which is, this is a meaningless world if there is no God. And then he slightly changes uh, tack a little bit for the second half of the book, which is, this is an uncertain world, so fear God. Trust him. It's the only thing you can do in an uncertain world. And really, at chapter 12, uh, he's drawing the threads together with a focus upon death. Which has been the figure that throughout the book uh, has, has been in the background, sometimes come very forward, as the figure who mocks everything we do. If this life is all there is, well, death mocks us. Because we, we end this life, we die, and that was it. And everything goes back in the box. And really, it was a bit of a waste of time. But he's got some, a few more positive things to say than that. So uh, very briefly, he says, uh, enjoy life, prepare for death, oh, Fear the shepherd. That's how you do both of them. So let's look at those in turn. Uh, first of all, uh, the end of chapter 11 really is enjoy life. Enjoy life. And uh, there's, a, there's a word for the old, a word for the young, and a word for the anxious, I think, uh, in this little section. 
So enjoy life. Uh, Verse 7, a word for the old. Life is sweet and it pleases the eye to see the sun. However many years a man may live, let him enjoy them all. Oh, but let him remember the days of darkness, for there'll be many. Everything to come is meaningless. Okay, so not not universally positive there. He is saying, uh, enjoy the days you have. Now, the temptation for those, is, uh, for some as they grow older, if a man lives many years, is, is to grumble a bit more. Not to really take so much pleasure in life, to find lots of things which are worth grumbling about. Now, it's an attitude that you can have at 30, 40. You don't have to wait till you're 70, 80, 90. Uh, you can develop this attitude young if you desire. But he's saying it becomes particularly prevalent as people grow older. Things, things were always better, always better before. Well, hold on a minute. Don't, don't enter the state of mind where you huff and puff through life. Uh, it may be every morning. It certainly is for me. It's quite possible every morning to wake up and be, be a bit of an eeyore and think, oh, so much to do today. Oh, goodness. And just slightly grumble at first thing in the day. And the writer is saying, no, no, no. Wake up and remember Psalm 118, verse 24. This is the day the Lord has been made. Sorry, this is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. There are lots of good things for you to enjoy today. Enjoy the good things you've got while you can, because they'll come to an end. Yes, there'll be bad days. I mean, this is Ecclesiastes, of course, so he can't, he just can't, he's not naive. He can't possibly be uh, just uh, like a Pollyanna and positive. See, but when the good days come, I mean, enjoy them. Don't grumble through them. They're the good days. Save your, you know, save your upset for when the bad days, the days come which are bewildering, when there's bereavement, injustice, confusion. Yeah, they'll come. So for goodness sake, enjoy the days that go well, he says. That's the word for the old. Then verse 9 is, is the word for the young. And he dwells a little longer here. Be happy, young man, while you're young. And let your heart give you the joy, give you joy in the days of your youth. Follow the ways of your heart. And whatever your eyes see. Uh, but know that for all these things, God will bring you to judgment. Okay, so there's the positive, but there's the, you know, there's the little warning there as well. That's the way these uh, verses work. So he's saying, enjoy your youth. You know, you're young enough to play team sports competitively. I mean, enjoy them before your joints give way and you can't do it anymore. And uh, you think you're younger than you are and, um, you know, you get injured every time you play darts or anything. The, um, uh, enjoy the days of your youth. Uh, there's an optimism, a carelessness that's there. Have a good time. I mean, do what you want. So uh, verse 15, follow the ways of your heart. But remember that God will assess what you do. See, he's not encouraging a sort of playboy lifestyle. Just go out and selfishly enjoy the world. Enjoy life, but enjoy it rightly. I enjoyed one writer's comment. "Joy Joy was created to dance with goodness, not alone. It's a lovely picture, isn't it? Enjoy life, but do it with goodness. That's a dance they're meant to do together, not just selfishly and for your own ends. Enjoy your life, but remember, God will assess how you spend your time, spend your money, treat other people. He'll, you, know, it's a, you know, do it well. Do it in a way that he'd approve of. Uh, but enjoy life. Do. Not to the detriment of others. No license for selfishness, but enjoy. And, of course, the teacher tried this. All the way back in chapter 2, he pursued every pleasure there was to pursue. And he is now saying, as an older man, look, young man, uh, listen to someone who's made mistakes. Don't learn from my mistakes. That's wisdom. Don't make them on your own. Enjoy life, but, you know, do it in a way that God approves of. 
A word for the young. Then there's a word for the anxious, verse 10. Banish anxiety from your heart and cast off the troubles of your body for youth and vigor are meaningless. Remember this phrase is 38 times in the book, this language of meaningless or vapor. This is fleeting. You can't grasp hold of it. Youth and vigor are you can't, you can't hold on to them. You can't put them in your pocket. You can't save them for later. They come and they go like a mist. So enjoy it while you can. Banish anxiety if you can. So there's, again, just brutal honesty here. Your health, if you've got your, the health of a young person, you won't have it forever. But while you've got it, do what you can to maintain it. If you're sick, go to the doctor. You know, if, if, you're, if you're depressed, go to your friends, go to the doctor. Above all, go to God and cast all your anxieties upon him. Don't, don't live with them when you don't have to. He's saying, do what you can to get rid of anxiety while you're young. I mean, in particular, it's the language of 1 Peter 5, cast all your anxieties upon him because the Lord cares for you. Don't carry things you're not meant to. We can do that. We can, we can put burdens on that God doesn't want us to have. He's going to cast them on me. Human beings are not meant to carry horses on their backs. And we're not meant to carry half the anxieties that we do either. We're meant to give them to God. He says, cast them all on him while you can. Go to the doctor while you can. So enjoy life, he says. Enjoy it. Life is bewildering. Life will often be miserable. But enjoy it while you can. Otherwise, well, if you can't do that, how depressing. Otherwise, it's just meaningless if you can't do that. I enjoyed uh, one little, uh, uh, it's a spoof, it isn't genuine, uh, from uh, The Onion, someone sent it to me. Uh, one little headline that came up. Uh, existentialist firefighter delays three deaths. The, uh, the uh, firefighter in question, uh, Morgan something, I can't remember his name. Um, he, uh, it's very depressing, really. He says, well, he saved three, in this spoof story, he saved three children who were burning in, our, in their house. And uh, their parents, you can't read it, but the, the, uh, the parents at the bottom, he, um, their parents say, well, he, all he's done is defer the inevitable. I mean, they're going to die. The firefighter, he's receiving all these accolades. He says, oh, I don't know why you're thanking me. I mean, their lives could be a lot more miserable in the future. I could have just saved them for a life of misery, which they'd have prevented had they died. Um, I mean, how, you know, it's tongue-in-cheek, how utterly bleak. All I've done is delay their death. You can't, can't avoid it forever. The little quote at the bottom, Morgan Barber deferred praise, saying that by charging into danger to rescue the victims, he merely put off the fate that befalls us all. I mean, you know, sort of squashes heroism a little bit, doesn't it? Not quite as exciting when you save people's lives. Oh, I've just, just delayed it. And it probably would have been better had they died. I mean, that's a, but that's, what else do you do? If this life is all there is, it's meaningless. You can defer death, yes. You can do something which might be useful, but might not be. Who knows what the outcome would have been had they died. But the writer is saying, I've been through this with you. Don't think that. There is a God who assesses everything we're doing. So enjoy life. Enjoy life. Pursue life. Make your life count for something. Push, you know, get everything you can out of life righteously because there is a God. So enjoy it. Go and enjoy it. Enjoy life, he says. And uh, part of the way, the second way you, or something that will help you do that is to remember death or prepare for it. Chapter 12, 1 to 8. 
prepare for death. Uh, Chapter 12, verse 1. Remember your creator in the days of your youth before the days of trouble come and the years approach when you say, I find no pleasure in them. Brilliant. Uh, The gist of this is, um, I guess, youth is wasted on the young. He's saying, listen, young man, you have so many opportunities in front of you. Don't waste them. I became a Christian uh, aged 19 at university. And um, uh, I remember going to church not long after becoming a Christian. uh, Meeting a chap there who'd also just become a Christian. He was in his early 50s. And he said something which is unforgettable to me. He said, I envy you. So I'm thrilled that God has, that Jesus Christ has saved me. That's wonderful. But I've wasted half my life. I mean, what have I been doing for 50 odd years? That's more than half my productive life. Just a waste. You've got all your life ahead of you. Make more use of it than I've done. Go and do all you can for Jesus Christ. I was, oh, okay. You know, <laughs> it was a slightly uh, it's an odd conversation in one ways, but it, of course, there's a sense in which he was right. And that's what the writer here is saying. R- remember what you can do before you waste your life. Oh, and certainly come back to your creator before you die. That, then your life really is spent. Remember. Remember what he's done. Now, remember here is not simply, oh, you know, I was meant to buy something at the shop, so ice cream and, oh, I remember, um, peanut butter. It's not just recall to mind, it's reorientate yourself. Not a sort of a, I don't know, a perfunctory or quick reminder, but remember that the Lord is your creator and orientate yourself around him. Remember that, that he is the sun and you revolve around him rather than thinking yourself at the center of the universe and everyone and everything goes around you. That's nonsense. Remember him. Your life goes around him. Remember your creator while you can. When you're young, troubles and illnesses, well, they may seem like setbacks. They may be inconvenient, but they're not disasters. It is when you get a bit older, you, uh, the fall, well, you may never recover from it. The, the, uh, the job setback, well, it may be a disaster when you're 60 as opposed to when you're 20. It might be. Grasp hold of youth while you can, he's saying. Make the best use of your life. And in one sense, that principle doesn't matter if you're, if you're 18 or 80. Make the best use of what you've got left is really his point. And so he gives these a uh, couple of pictures, really. And they are, uh, well, there's more than one, but um, slightly, well, they're, they're, it's a beautiful poem, I think, in one sense. So verse 2, the picture is of a gathering storm before the sun and light and the moon and the stars grow dark and the clouds return after rain. Remember your creator before that. So old age is like a a storm that's coming and the the sky darkens. Everything all of a sudden goes a bit gloomy. Old age is a bit like that. And it's sad, isn't it, when when you hear your parents or your grandparents talking and they say, yes, I buried another friend this week. And there aren't, there aren't that many left now of our little group. So the horizons can darken a little bit. Or the, the picture of, uh, of verses 3 to certainly 3 and 4 of an old house, a house that is crumbling with decay, a, a tragic sight of, 
faded splendor. So the, the, uh, I don't know if you remember the film uh, The Remains of the Day with uh, uh, Anthony Hopkins. Do you remember that one? Sort of classic English, posh house. And uh, Anthony Hopkins is the butler running the house. It's a magnificent, uh, uh, stately home. But uh, he's old, he gets his father on to join the staff. And uh, his father is too old, really, to be doing that job now. So his father, well into his 80s, and, and a, bit, a bit too old to be carrying things around. And you see him serving at the table, and he's sort of shaking as he serves the potatoes out. And everyone sort of looks at him a bit embarrassed. And he wanders taking the tea tray out into the garden and drops it, and it smashes everywhere. And there's something very sad about that. A man who was once very strong is, is fading. Well, this is the picture here. There's sort of play here. It's a house and it's a person. So uh, verse 3, when the keepers of the house tremble, the strong men stoop, the grinders cease because they're few, those looking through the windows grow dim, the doors of the street are closed, the sound of grinding, fa- grinding fades. I wonder if that's a, a once magnificent house that has fallen into disrepair. But I think it's also meant to be a human. It's a human being. It's a picture of a human. So the, the keepers of the house, possibly the legs, the grinders, well, certainly they're the teeth ceasing to work. They're too few. They've dropped out. The windows that are grown dim, that's the eyes with cataracts. The doors to the street are closed, probably the ears. No longer able to hear what's, what's going on. And fears start to grow in old age. Verse 5, men are afraid of heights, of dangers in the streets. The, the person who was once very agile and very bold, well, now it's just too much effort. It's very sad when you see it. My father-in-law, father-in-law is a young man, just in his early 60s, broke his leg before Christmas. And uh, his wife would say of him now, he's lost his invincibility. He's, just an, he's a more nervous character now. This happens. People are scared to go out. And then verse, uh, verse 5, the end of that, this picture of the, the grasshopper dragging himself along. This one sort of agile creature that would bounce around and, and spring around. Well, now the person is attached to a Zimmer frame or a stick and, and crawling along. It's a beautiful but beautifully sad picture. Desire is gone. End of verse 5. No point taking the Viagra now. There's nothing left to stir. And then you get into verse 6. The silver cord severed, the golden bowl broken, I think a light fixture and a fitting at the end, gone. The pitcher the water jug shattered, the wheel broken. It's very sad. And the writer is saying, why is he saying this? He's saying, you do know that's what your life will be, don't you? You may not feel it now. You, you may be 80 and not feel it yet. But in particular, he's saying that to those who think they're young and have plenty of time, you do realize that's, that is where you're headed. Now, with that in mind, grasp hold of life. Grasp hold of your creator, because th- that is your future. And if, unless you grasp hold of him, so what? There's a very interesting program on, uh, on the BBC sometime back in the autumn uh, with uh, Dan Cruikshank, the art historian. It was just called The Art of Dying. And it was him, slight, I mean, it was slightly pompous in one sense, how art can... Uh, make your dying days uh, more pleasant. And in one level, I thought it was, it was absurd. There was one thing that really captured me, which was, because uh, it was the BBC, uh, Dan Cruikshank got the, uh, the BBC obituary writer to write his obit. 
even though he's, I don't know, late 50s. So his obituary was written for him, which is an odd thing. Can you imagine that? What would someone write if they wrote your obituary now? For him, it was unsettling. He uh, puts it this way. Uh, As I read it, there are emotional ups and downs. I think I'm still taking it in, but on balance, I can say it pretty successfully did the job of pricking my bubble of vanity. (laughs) Is that a good thing? Probably. It does wake you up from the dreamy world of death denial, indeed acts as a memento mori, a reminder to strive in life and behave well before death is imminent. I've had a warning shot across my bow. I've been granted a glimpse of the future and have the possibility to use this knowledge and to redeem myself. Now, he's a thinking man. I mean, not everyone would probably do the same. But he's saying, someone handed my obituary to me 30 years before I'm going to die, who can tell? And I thought, oh my goodness, is is this it? Is this it? I mean, there are one or two good things, but really, is, is that all? Is that what my life adds up to? It's a warning show across. I've got, to do, I've got to do better than this. I've got to do more than this. It's a bit like Scrooge in A Christmas Carol. You know, he's, all the, uh, the, uh, he's shown um, the mistakes he's made. And then finally, towards the end, the, the ghost of Christmas future goes and takes him to the future when he's dead. And all his wealth and income has been stolen or embezzled. And he's shown uh, a pathetic gravestone in an unkempt graveyard. And that's him. And of course, Scrooge, he sees this. He he weeps and he begs, please let me go back. Let me redeem my life. Let me do more. Of course he does. And um, it's Dickens' morality morality tale. It's exactly the same thing. What what would your obituary be? And and the writer here is asking that sort of question. He's saying, "Let, let death's footsteps stir you to act. They may seem very distant. You might be hearing them quite clearly. But death's four steps, let them stir you to think, what am I going to do? I have 10, 5, 10, 50 years left. I don't know, but what am I going to do with them? Prepare for death, he says. Get ready. Hear the teacher's words. What do you want your obituary to be? And he says, if you want one that lasts, not just a hundred years, and you have to do something pretty special in this life for it to last that long. But if you want one that lasts for eternity, remember your creator. Come, come to him. Come back to him. Live for him. And then what you do, then it'll be written in heaven forever. <laughs> then it'll always be remembered. Remember your creator. To do that, well, follow the shepherd. Last thing. Verses 9 to 14. Follow the shepherd. It looks like someone else is speaking now. Verse 9. Not only was the teacher wise, but also he imparted knowledge to the people. It looks like someone else is commenting. Uh, it's sort of almost like a book review at the end of the, uh, of, of the book. Oh, I quite like this one. It's had some useful things to say because he's very positive. Uh, the teacher then, he pondered and searched out and set in order many proverbs. The teacher searched to find just the right words. And what he wrote was upright and true. Not very good. It's interesting how he describes it. Verse 11, the words of the wise are like goads. Now the goad then, that's the, that's the cattle prod. Um, not electrocuted in those days. Uh, but a sharp stick that the farmer would use to encourage his cattle. Look down here, Bessie. 
uh, down here you come uh, and encourage the cattle along, particularly if they're wandering away. No, 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 a little jab to uh, nudge, nudge the cow down the right path. Now, of course, if you're that cow and you get jabbed, you might look over your shoulder and think, you're all right, calm down, thanks for that, uh, and be mildly irritated that someone's jabbed you with a sharp stick. But, of course, your farmer is doing it to get you on the right path. And the writer here is saying, or the critic, I don't know, he's saying that the words of this book are like that. You may have felt it at times. Ecclesiastes is not a comfortable book to read. It is a bit unsettling. And uh, he's saying, yeah, what's gone on as, as we've looked at this book? Is, you know, had a few jabs. Uh, a few jabs to say, come on, this way. Don't wander off. Wander back onto the path of life. Don't waste your life. Don't pursue pleasure. Don't just pursue work. Don't find your meaning in possessions or the sure security in, in money. Don't do that. They're the meaningless life as you've got them. And we don't like it. We don't like being told that. It's unsettling. It's annoying. But he's nudging us back on the path of life. That's what's going on. Follow the shepherd. These words are like goads, like a cattle prod. They're firmly embedded nails, he says, driven hard into the, I don't know, the wall, the ground. We were sat at home the other day, and uh, a picture uh, above the sofa fell down. That was annoying. And, um, and uh, it was just that the nail had worked its way loose. I hadn't put it in hard enough. He's saying, no, no, not these words. These words are driven, driven in deep, and they'll never come out. They'll last. You can, you can hang your life on these words. they'll never never let you down. You can live off these. They're those sort of words. Because they're the words of the shepherd, verse 11, they're given by one shepherd. That was the first time Ecclesiastes is explicit on this. But these words, these 12 chapters, they're the words of the shepherd. They're the words of, of the living God. The shepherd of the Old Testament, Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd. Or Psalm 80, guide us, O shepherd of Israel. The Lord is the shepherd. And of course, as we had read in the New Testament, Jesus Christ says, I'm the good shepherd. These are my words. And because I love my people, and because I love my sheep, you know, at times I will nudge them, and and it won't be pleasant. And I'll use this book and I'll say, Oi, back on the path of life. Or or those who don't yet know, know me, I'll say, do you see what your life adds up to? It adds up to nothing. Death mocks everything you can achieve. Come on. And he'll use his words to nudge and to cajole. And you may may well have felt that. You may well have felt that in Ecclesiastes. Don't really like that. But he's nudging us back on the path of life. Follow him, says the teacher. Follow this shepherd. That's, That's the way that you'll really enjoy life knowing that you're living it for a purpose. That's the way you are prepared for death. You, you know where you're going. You know that what you do will last. And you know that when you get to death, there'll be a shepherd there who says, come with me. I've kept you on the road of life 80, 90 years. Now come with me. Follow him, he says. Follow him. And so verses 12 to 14, here's the conclusion of the matter. Uh, Verse 12, be warned, my son, um, of adding anything to these words, uh, of making many books, there's no end, much study, where is the body? I I think he's really saying, oh, get on with it, will you? Will you just get on with it? You can keep reading books, you can keep writing books if you want. Oh, there are a million books published every year in the world. 
206,000 published in the UK last year, more than any other place in the world. Well done us. But so what? Are you going to read them all? How many are you going to read before you start doing what matters? Follow the shepherd. What are you waiting for? You think there's another philosophy you need to read? Another idea? Another objection? Another, oh, would you just get on with it? You don't know when death will knock on your door. It's wearying to keep on reading and reading. I mean, it's a verse beloved by students, of course. But it's not really for them. It's for all of us. He's saying, just get on with following the shepherd. Because his words will give your life meaning. He is the one who laid down his life in order to keep us on the path of life, to drag us onto the path of life. Follow him. Live for him. Oh, and then your life has meaning. Verse 14, sorry, verse 13, here's the conclusion. Fear God, keep his commandments. This is the whole duty, maybe. This is the whole of man. God will bring every deed into judgment, including every hidden thing. Everything you do matters. If you're following Jesus Christ and you know that your obituary will last for eternity, everything matters. It says if you're not following him, your achievements will mean nothing. You might not like that. You might find that a bit of a sharp jab. But he's saying, but your life will add up to nothing because you're dying. That is it. So follow him. Follow him. There's no other place of meaning. There's no way to inject your life with purpose unless you follow him because then your life will last. Follow him, the shepherd who laid down his life for you. Let's pray together. Our Father, many of us would have found uh, your words uh, a bit of a poke that we may not have enjoyed, but we pray that we would... uh, feel that poke and hear the voice of the Good Shepherd uh, calling us back to him, calling us to walk more obviously on the path of life rather rather than wandering off and living for other things. And in doing so, Father, would you help us to live lives of purpose and meaning that last so that when we, uh, when we join you, when we are with you and the Lord Jesus in the new creation, We can look back and thank you for the purpose you gave us, for the lives you gave us to live, for you. So send us from here, enjoying life, enjoying you, we pray. Amen.